Welcome to a new episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Jim Suhan and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune, live from Paul, not live, I keep saying that, I keep saying live, it's a podcast. We are live. We all, we're, we're recording live. We're currently live. You're we not, think. You're not going to be listening to us live. We're still at Paul Brown Stadium after the Vikings lost in overtime to the Cincinnati Bengals, 27-24. to 24. And, Ben, before I ask you about how dismal the offense was, Jim, I just got to get your first thoughts. Well, if you had to sum up this loss in just a word or two, what, what would you have to say about that? This is the only must-win opener I've ever covered, and they lost it. Must win? I think they had to win this game. They have a brutal schedule. They have, a very, they have no depth. Uh, you can tell that people in, in the, around this organization are a little bit on edge and thinking this is a kind of a make-or-break year. Uh, if they win this one, then maybe they can survive a losing streak. Maybe they get through the first month or two and still be somewhat in contention. They lose this one, you might be looking at 0-4 and, and, hey, we saw we saw what this team did last year when they got off to a bad start. They were really never in contention. So I really thought they had to win this game. And, Ben, did it just start off with an offense that couldn't get out of its own way? I, the thing that I think is the biggest issue with this is not just that they lost it. I, I do think that's a – a fairly big problem, but they lost it in a way that confirmed so many of the issues that you thought were going to be there. And a lot of those are on offense. Yes. I mean, it it was an offensive line that you're kind of putting together on the fly. You're saying, we don't want to play these guys in the preseason because we can't afford to lose any of them. And we already have lost Christian Derrissaw. So we have to try to keep everybody healthy. That also means that they don't get any type of practice together or play together in the preseason. They have practice together, obviously. But you are working on the theory that they can put it together on the fly. They were awful today. And you're also betting on these corners you signed being good enough and being able to still run at Patrick Peterson's age, 31, and Bashad Breland, I believe, is 29. Bashad Breland got picked on a lot today. So a lot of the stuff that you were banking on going right, at least today, did not. And in the second half, too, they, they got run on. And you, you signed Michael Pierce. You signed Dalvin Tomlinson to fix a lot of that. That didn't happen today. And, and it's, a, it's one game. It's a long game in hot weather. So maybe that plays into some of it. We'll have to see what snap counts looked like in the end. But, yeah, to me, so many of the things that you thought could be problems – looked like problems today. And that's probably the, the most concerning part of it beyond just the fact that they're 0-1 in a game that I agree would would have been awfully nice for them to have if they're planning to go to the playoffs. And, Jim, you asked Adam Thielen a legitimate question after the game. of Like, boy, 12 penalties, guys mm-hmm. like C.J. Hammer committing them. Don't you guys wish you might have had some time in the preseason to work these things out? Um, Adam didn't seem to like that question. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> uh, he went on, on and on and on about how it doesn't make any difference. And then somebody asked Zimmer the same question. He said, well, yeah, if you look today, we could have used that time. <laughs> I, I, well, I, Zimmer said last week that they need to go out and prove that they did need to play in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, see if he does that again. I, and I'm torn because I hate to see good players get hurt in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, but, man, this offensive line needed time together, you know, and this offense needed time together. I, they, they just this, this team hasn't done enough probably to earn the right to assume that you can go to the regular season and just be ready to play. And that is a little bit of the issue, I think, is that, I don't know how much of this was about, and we don't need to spend the whole podcast, you know, second guessing Monday morning quarterbacking preseason decisions. But I don't know how much of the stuff that they did in the preseason was about, 
hey, they've earned the right. They've got the pedigree. And how much was about, we just can't afford to lose anybody. Right. We can't take the chance. So, I mean, if it's that, I I see it, given the, the way the roster is set up. But the unfortunate consequence of that is that you don't get whatever benefit there is of the preseason. And, again, I, I think there are plenty of cases of teams that don't get preseason time and come out and they look fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was not one of those, certainly. Yeah, too. And, and when you look at this offensive line, it was every single starter committed a penalty, uh, all five of them, even Brian O'Neill with a false start, 12 penalties in total for this team. It speaks to the talent they have in the in the 12 the te- accepted penalties. True. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Accepted 15 total because three of them were not accepted. Uh, but it speaks to the talent of this Vikings team. The fact that they were still in position at the very end. Greg Joseph ties it to force overtime with a 53 yard field goal. And Dalvin Cook has a chance to run them basically into a game winner and he fumbles, and it speaks to the talent they have to overcome all the issues they had to still potentially win, but this is against a Bengals team that I don't think any of us are expecting to go anywhere or do anything. And so the fact that you can't overcome not having Anthony Barr shooting yourself in the foot a few times with some penalties to win a game like this, I don't know where they go from here because, as you said, Jim, you called it a must-win. I think this was one of their most winnable games when we look at their schedule, and up next is a trip to Arizona, so I don't know where we go from there. Ben, how do you feel about where this offense is headed when you've got Kirk Cousins saying, I like what we see in practice. I know we can put it together. It's just a matter of actually putting it together. I think a lot of that hinges on the line. I mean, it is hard to evaluate in the sense that so much of their playbook has to go out the window when you're in the, the down and I mean, the down and distance situations they were in were almost comical. It was, I think at one, the average for the day for third down was like third and 11.9. I mean, they had third and 24, they had third and 15, they had, I think at one point there were five or six times where they had faced at least third and 15 or longer. I mean, just, you know, ridiculous sort of numbers. And you know, some of that was second down as well. So it's hard to sit there and say what they look like in a flow of a normal game because so much of what you want to do, especially what they want to do, gets changed because of the down and distance stuff. But... The reasons that they were in those spots quite often were their own fault. I mean, the, the false starts, the holding penalties, the uh, the unnecessary roughness from Oli Udo. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think all of this hinges on is that line good enough? And I don't know that today gives us the ability to say yes, it is, because it was the penalties, and they also had trouble at times protecting Cousins. Then they're going to see a better pass rush next week with Chandler Jones, who I think had five sacks today, right? Yeah, against yes. Taylor Luan and a mm-hmm. Titans yeah. team that was pretty good at protecting the quarterback and, and leveraging those situations like the Vikings used to. Um, Jim, and a team that shut Derrick Henry down. True. And I guess, Jim, yeah, what is your confidence level in this offensive line heading into a game like Arizona? <laughs> They've got those pass rushers, and they gave up three sacks here in, in Cincinnati against a, de- a defense that's not going to be world beaters for Cincinnati. I, I think they're going to get killed in Arizona. And, you know, you, yes, they could probably clean up the false starts. And, but if they hold less, they'll probably get Cousins killed. I mean, sometimes they were holding to keep Cousins from being dismembered. Uh, so it's not like, oh, all I do is not hold and everything's going to be fine. No, if this line doesn't hold, then Cousins is going to get knocked out. Yeah, and that's going to be the uh, – that's always been the issue for Kirk. Kirk got drilled a lot last year. In his time in Minnesota, the offensive line's always been an issue. But when you see Riley Reef on the other sideline and you remember, oh, yeah, that's what a consistent tackle looks like opposite Brian O'Neill, it was a rough one for Rashad Hill. And this isn't his toughest matchup. He's heading into the Chandler Jones matchup next week. 
So the Vikings need to figure that out. And maybe it ends up being more blockers in to help protect him because he's not the kind of guy, he's a journeyman. He's not the kind of guy who's just going to all of a sudden flip a switch and be that franchise left tackle. That's not why they have him. And, Dar- and Christian Darisaw, by everything we've heard, is not coming back anytime soon. So this is going to be the offensive line they have moving forward for the foreseeable future. Uh, what did we think about the defense? I thought there was a while there I was sitting there going, where's Daniil Hunter at? It's been a while since we've heard his name. And then he gets the sack at the very end. Uh, Michael Pierce, two sacks. The Vikings did get five sacks on Joe Burrow, did get to pressure him. The game started out great for the defense. And then, Ben, as you said, Bashad Breeland started getting targeted more and more. Has back-to-back plays where he gives up the dig route to Chase. Then he gets, gets the P.I. call on Higgins, sets up a touchdown. Next series comes back, gets the 50-yarder against him, uh, 50-yard touchdown on Chase. Um, that second corner spot doesn't look as solidified maybe as we had thought. Yeah, they seemed more interested in picking on Breland than they did challenging Patrick Peterson. And, and Peterson gave up, I think, one that I remember. Um, you know, just a completion, nothing terribly long. But, but the big plays came against Breland. And the concern there is that they don't feel good enough about Cameron Dantzler to even have him active today. So these are your guys. I mean, that's the thing with this roster. We go down the, the list, and, and this is what they have. There, there isn't a lot of help coming through the door, I don't think. I mean, Chris Boyd has been better. They have, I think, liked him better than Dantzler, but there's probably a ceiling on a guy like Chris Boyd. I mean, and, you know, if Dantzler is not going to become what they hoped he could, I think that's a big concern, and it's it's awfully early. It's It's week one. A lot of this stuff can change. They could go out and win next week and rightfully say, hey, everybody had buried us, and we just went in and beat Kyler Murray. Maybe that happens. But given where they sit with these corners, boy, we talk tough matchups. DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Kyler Murray running around, that's another one that if you don't feel great coming out of this one with that secondary, it's not going to get easier the next week and, and really the next two with Russell Wilson and D.K. Metcalf coming in after that. And also, the, the Vikings did not stop the run today. No, uh, they didn't. Uh, Mixon, certainly they did not. Yeah, Mixon ran for 100, about 130. The backup also uh, rushed for four and a half yards of carry. I mean, that was supposed to be taken care of. Yeah, and you wonder how much of that has to do. I mean, I guess it's just the one starter, right? They had everybody but Anthony Barr yeah. mm-hmm. on the field for them. So there's not too much of an excuse of saying, well, we didn't have this guy, that guy, or the other. This, These are their guys, as, as Ben said on this defense. And if you can't put up against – a Bengals offense that you're they're starting a, a second year guy in Jonah Williams at left tackle who's not not some world beater you know he's, he's supposed to be just a young developing kid he's not Tristan Wirfs even uh, at that level or, or thought of and their interior line is nothing great either so the fact that the Vikings didn't dominate the way you expect them to how much of it was early season getting back into a rhythm conditioning it was ni- close to 90 degrees here in Cincinnati today you got all those excuses but um, in terms of the corner situation, though, as we see Bashad Breland get picked on here in Cincinnati, we look up as we're writing the, uh, the obituary of this game for the Vikings. We look up and see Mike Hughes, old friend, intercept a pass for the Chiefs uh, to be a game winner against Cleveland. Mike Hughes, obviously the one. Mike Hughes has had some big week one interceptions before. That's true. So. That's true. Of course, week uh, 2018, it would have been week one. Yep. His rookie year gets the pick six against San Francisco. But the Vikings cut or traded, excuse me, Mike Hughes and then signed Bashad Breeland. The Vikings and Chiefs effectively swapped those corners, and those guys had very two different days uh, this time around. Um, how much of it's a reflection on the personnel? Uh, Jim, you wrote for the, the season preview week of, of how Rick Spielman's kind of put them in this situation where they can't necessarily laugh at 
Green Bay for their drafts anymore. Right. Well, you know, Spielman spent the draft two drafts ago. He tried to fix the cornerback position. The cornerback position is not fixed. And this draft, he tried to fix the offensive line. And maybe Darisaw does eventually fix it. Maybe Davis actually helps out at some point. Cleveland is at least starting, although, you know, it didn't look great today. But, I mean, it, it, it is fascinating how often Spielman will find a really good skill position player and how often he misses on cornerbacks and offensive linemen and quarterbacks. It just, that's the pattern. And the pattern is, the pattern now has existed long enough that we know exactly what this team's problems are. When you decide to bring back Anthony Barr and over maybe mm-hmm. overpay him when that Jets contract was waiting two years ago and then bring him back this year for a pay cut and he's still not out there and you sign Darius or draft Darius, a guy who's not here. Just all these decisions that kind of roll up into a very top-heavy roster when Daniel Hunter's not wrecking the game, they're looking like that on defense. And that's what I wonder about him. Like, what I need to go back and look at the game and really see what happened with Daniel, but we just didn't see a whole lot from him today or Everson or really any of the passes. I would say any of the, we didn't hear about any from any of the defensive ends except for when Hunter had a sack. Everson, I thought, I when I was – Charting at least in the first half, and I had my head buried in my computer trying to scramble to write a story for a lot of the fourth quarter. But at least in the first half, I thought Everson had a couple pressures. He had a, a sack yeah. that he missed Burrow on, and I thought I noticed him a little more. But you're right, Hunter did not come out and kind of serve notice like he's talked about doing all training camp. And I, when I previewed the game for the paper, I said they win this game if it's a big Dalvin Cook day and they can control the line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball, they weren't able to do either of those things. All right, Ben, after we do, and Jim, after we do 15 minutes here of doom and gloom, what are some of the positive things we can take away from this? Is the only positive, Jim, that Green Bay lost today? <laughs> you know, there were there were individual positives today. I thought Os- Osborne looked really good. Uh, the kicker and the punter, and we might now have to learn their names because he might be, have to be here for another week or two. The kicker and the punter looked really good. Yeah, they both had great days. Really. They really did. Um, you know, uh, Nice return from D.D. Westbrook. Actually, pretty good day for special teams. Yeah, Westbrook Pulled. was good. Uh, and, and the fact that we didn't see Peterson getting picked on is probably a good sign. Yep. Uh, I mean, we still know Dalvin's a great player, just didn't have a great day. Thielen was excellent. Uh, Jefferson probably could have had a much better day if uh, if Cousins hadn't thrown behind him or over him a couple of times. Yep. He was certainly open plenty of times. So, you know, listen, they have, they have good players. That is not their problem, and they have some even some promising players. It's it's the holes that continue to remain holes that are prob- the problem. And you see it with Kirk, right? It's that yeah. game, it's that whole uh, blueprint of as soon as you disrupt the run, get them back into a situation where it needs to be Kirk, then you can just feast on them basically. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing defenses do that, and Kirk not look comfortable, not make quick decisions. There were times Mike Zimmer had mentioned that there was one of the three sacks in the first half. He felt Kirk held onto the ball too long for. Um, it could have been more than that. Maybe Mike was hedging that that criticism on Kirk publicly, but Kirk just looked like he was patting the ball longer than he should have been, yep. and and really kind of missing open guys. And I noticed a couple times with a couple hitches. And that's like the mo, right? Like yep. if you can get them in this situation, whether it's by penalties or or getting tackles for losses in the run game and stopping Dalvin Cook, you can make Kirk look like this. And that's the Vikings' problem: is that if you're not on schedule, we always talk about how can Kirk play off schedule, and Kirk talks about how can I get better improvising as if. That's something you can really learn. It, it would just seem like it's inherent in a lot of guys, and with him, it's not. And you're seeing this offense more of the same. And and so I don't know if there's anything to take away from Clint Kubiak and his first game calling plays here, but 
to me, it seemed like it was just more of the same. You saw them try to diversify their personnel. They went three, four wide receivers early without having heavy tight end sets. A couple of uh, two back, three receiver sets as well. I mean, some of that's probably to make up for Irv Smith. Yeah, exactly, with kind of not having that depth at tight end. But it didn't seem to help Dalvin at all, find no, lanes to run no. in terms of spreading no. things out or, or trying to get defense into certain personnel. So this team's just got a lot to figure out. And, um, you know, another positive, Conklin. You know, Conklin did his job well, I thought, and – He's much better than Herndon. So they're going to have to. Conklin is going to be tired this season. Yeah, we saw Chris Herndon play a little bit. But and he looked lost. It's, man, it's the answers, I think, have to come from the people they have just being better than they were today. And they're, they're probably better than this. Um, and they have enough players that have done it long enough that you'd probably say, yeah, they deserve some benefit of the doubt. But there just isn't a solution that I see other than that because the I mean they have a little bit of money to play with but nobody's going to go you can try to turn the bottom of the roster and, and teams will do that and the Vikings I'm sure will try to do that but you're not going to have a lot of pieces come through that door that are going to make a significant difference It's ha- it has to come from players just developing and getting better throughout the course of the year and this schedule the next few weeks does not Make that terribly easy. No, but they're still atop the NFC North. Isn't that what they you are. told me? Yeah, there's your positive, <laughs> at least for now. Now we are recording this before the Sunday night game. So if Andy Dalton goes out and beats the Rams on Sunday night football, then the Vikings are in second place in the NFC North. But of the three teams that played today, they are in first place because they are the only one that did not have an NFC loss. And I, if you want silver lining too, it's – the. The little bit of the Packers game we saw, and talking to a couple of people that watched it when we weren't able to do that, it sounded like a mess. It sounded like Rodgers looked – Rodgers threw two picks. It sounded like he looked kind of disinterested. I mean, I don't know. Well, I have to go back and watch it to get a better sense of that. But if that thing, after as weird of an offseason as they had, is going in the wrong direction – uh, that that would certainly be a, a positive for the Vikings, just in terms of the division maybe being a little more up for grabs than we thought. I don't know. Well, how about this? Aaron Rodgers obviously wants to destroy the Green Bay Packers for hurting his feelings. He's going to destroy their season, and yeah. then he's going to sign with the Vikings next year or get traded to the Vikings next year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically taking the Favre thing after Rodgers got drafted. Favre had that year and where he speeding just, it like, up. screw it. Right. And you're just speeding the whole thing up. Yeah, yeah you take four years and condense it into about 10, 11 months. Yeah. And, you know, it's that's none of us have time to wait around anyway. No, we're all getting older. Let's make it happen. Let's go. Let's let's cut the the uh, dilly dallying and let's let's get on with it. So you're saying the Green Bay drama is not over potentially? Certainly, the way they look against the Saints team that nobody thought was going to be any good. Yeah. yeah, they get beat by Jameis Winston by five touchdowns. I, I would say the drama is not over. They they come home. They get the Lions next week, but then I think after that. They're out to San Francisco on a on a night game again. So they can't fire Dom Capers. Schedule. Who's there? Is it still Mike Pettin? No, it's uh, it's Joe Barry, the who was the defensive coordinator for the 0-16 Lions, but uh, I think was with Washington for a while and kind of got in that Brandon Staley. You know, this is the new thing now. The the, the Fangio they they've got the the Kubiak Shanahan disciple running the offense and the Fangio disciple running the defense. So it's very trendy. Um, and they have a lot of talent, but they also, at the moment, have a lot of things they have to figure out too. So, yeah. Schadenfreude is uh, is available in 
uh, industrial supply for the Vikings, and, and we, we all know how uh, much of a comfort that is to Vikings fans. Yeah, barring an upset tonight, Sunday night, you guys will have heard or know the result by the time you listen to this probably, but if the Bears don't beat the Rams, the entire NFC North is 0-1, meaning the Vikings can start off anew next week at Arizona. We'll, get, we'll talk to you guys next week previewing the Vikings and Cardinals game. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com.